It's a big week when RHAP is on the road in Chicago. Check out my live show from Chicago. That's going to be up on Thursday, Wednesday night. Shannon Gus is going to be live with you with Kelly Wentworth after Survivor. And we preview the Dondi finale with Dealer No Deal Island host Joe Manganiello all right here on RHAP. We know reality TV. If you lost Survivor and you're feeling down, David and Jessica will turn it around. They'll break down the rules and they'll show you how. You played yourself and got voted out. This is why Blank lost. And this is why Blank lost. Oh, baby, this is why Blank lost. Welcome to another special edition of Why Blank Lost, as we discuss Season 4, Episode 3, and the vote against Hunter. I'm David Bloomberg, and with me, of course, in this special Rob Has a Podcast off-season journey through time is my co-host, Jessica Lewis. Hello again, David. It's fun to be visiting another season from the past, and we get to discuss some very popular people, I must say, that came out of this season as well. That's right. That's right. And uh, like Hunter, he's been on 14, you know, different shows since then. Well, he's been on one commercial that's been over and over again. But um, oh, no, you must be talking about that other guy. That other guy. Um, guy. Um, But uh, yeah. So, uh, you know, I just wanted to start out by saying I know you enjoy when I talk about my history as we discuss these episodes. Mm -hmm. And I do have a piece of history on my head here. Um, I, I don't know if people can see it. This is a classic reality news online uh, hat. Uh, and it says, uh, because sometimes, you know, I just realized I'm not talking into the microphone. <laughs> I was so going to say something. Yeah, but... So probably you couldn't hear me. I'm talking into the screen, which doesn't help. Anyway. Um, David um, Bloomberg antics. I love yes, it. Yes. So, um, it says reality news online. That was my old website. It says, uh, some, because sometimes reality TV is better than reality. And, uh, in those days there, you know, there was a lot of reality TV. So I figured mm-hmm. I wear this classic hat, uh, for this time frame, um, in large part because I have COVID, uh, COVID quarantine hair. Uh, so, you know, <laughs> the truth comes out. The truth comes out. David um, was like, my hair is terrible. What do yes. I do? Well, let exactly. me find this old let hat. Me find a hat. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I love it. That's good. It's good. Um, and then, uh, you know, I'm wearing our old, well, not nearly as old classic. Yes. Uh, the original lost t shirt. That would be the original, mm-hmm. Jessica, that you had, uh, you had made for me. I should wear my sweatshirt um, next time. Especially the one that says, David, you're right. You should wear it backwards. <laughs> I will confuse everyone. Yes. I'll uh, even put the hood not, up. It'll be great. Every, right. Everybody will. Nobody will be confused because it'll say, David, you're right. And everyone knows that's true. So you do love that sweatshirt. I oh, say. hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was so thrilled when the gentleman who was making it for me came out with it when I told him what I wanted on the back. And then when I saw it and it was like pink and sparkly and big i was like this is perfect i was very excited so yes it was definitely fun so other than the uh, hat and uh and uh shirt i don't have anything personally relating to this particular episode um I, but I, I i don't want to give away everything we're going to discuss 
I will. I think we'll find this is a pretty big turning point in the way mm-hmm. many players started looking at Survivor as mm-hmm. more of a game and less of a survival situation. Mm-hmm. And I have to admit, um, at the time, I hadn't caught on yet. So this podcast is going to differ significantly from my original Why Hunter Lost article all those nice. years ago. I like it. It's like you're not cheating anymore. Yeah. <laughs> so... <laughs> Like I have to start fresh every time and you're like, oh, let me check my notes from well, 20 I started years fresh ago. and see, I mean, last time, last week for Kel, I started fresh and I was like, wow, everything syncs up perfectly. I'm brilliant. <laughs> and, Except um, you missed some very significant things that were out there. Mm. No, I yeah. you missed something that was out no, there. No, 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 um, no. I, but we I don't mean, need to rehash you being wrong, you know. So um not wrong. Uh, okay. <laughs> What does your sweatshirt say? Oh, yeah, David, oh. you're right. Okay, so, uh, but uh, um, but this time I took all my notes and then I went and looked at my article and went, ooh, mm, wow. Things have changed. Yeah. Now, that's interesting because has it changed? It, okay. We'll get to it. All right. We'll get to it, it at the very fair. end of our, yeah, it's, well, no, we'll get to it. We'll get okay. to it. Okay, all right. Um. But just for you, I do have one personal story. And everybody who's listening. (laughs) No, just for you. Um, Everybody mute. (laughs) (laughs) Or I could just not talk into the mic again like I was. (laughs) Um, People not people not uh, people on audio. I apologize for doing that. You're going to have no clue what was going on. then. Um, I realize I'm apologizing like four minutes too late. But um, okay. Yeah. So I, I have one personal story that sort of relates to this season. Uh, last week with all the Kel stories I told, I forgot to tell one about another second season player, Keith. Mm. But it also relates to a player from this season, Kathy. So I'll use that as my excuse to tell it now. Uh, I was at the finale okay. for either Survivor of the Amazon or All Stars. I think it was All Stars, but I'm not 100% sure. It was a long time ago. Um, in any case, I was hanging out with some of the players in, in a nightclub and Keith had handed out copies of his newest cookbook to all of them. I believe this was the one after Yes, I Can Cook Rice, which mm. was his first one that he did. Which is hysterical. Yes. Now, I noticed that when we moved locations in the nightclub, somebody had left their copy behind and, you know, I was like, oh, so I picked it up to figure out whose it was. And it was Kathy's copy. So I found her. I brought it to her. She was very appreciative. And Keith was also there and he saw it and he said, oh, I'll send you a copy. I said, well, that's great. And I gave him my address. To this day, I'm still waiting for my. Oh, oh, Keith, if you're listening, you owe him a book. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I knew I never liked Keith, but this just (laughs) sealed the deal. That solidified it right there. That's so. Well, you know, you did the right thing. You returned the book. Unfortunately, you're still waiting for your payment yes. on that. Yes. All right. um, now, there was one other story also that, uh, again, pertains to this season. And that is, uh, spoiler alert, the winner, Vesepia. Ah, okay. Um, so after the season uh, was over, she was much like Tony was this past season, was trying well, actually, no, let me let me start over. She was not looking for her torch. Someone had bought her torch 
on eBay. Well, actually, mm-hmm. it might have even been before eBay. I think they did their own independent auction. But someone had bought it and then wanted to give it to her. Okay. And they came to me and said, okay, David, you know, run person who runs reality news online, uh, which, you know, was one of the biggest reality TV websites at the time. Can you help me do this? And so I put out feelers. I got, you know, people who got in touch with. And in the end, yeah, I got this person together. And that is how Vesepia ended up with her torch. Amazing. So you've returned a book to Kathy. You got Vesepia, her torch. Yeah. And Bill, you didn't receive a book in return and you probably haven't received a torch. either. No, I definitely have not received a torch. (laughs) So I guess David Bloomberg is owed some things from various people. We've learned. I, you know, being nice is its own reward. You're such a great help. That's yes. awesome. Yes. Well, I can say I have had the pleasure to meet Vesepia as well. She was in Florida at the Give Kids the World fundraising mm-hmm. event. And it was really kind of crazy when I met her because I hadn't met her in the years past that I had been there. And then all of a sudden it was one of those moments where she's standing in front of me and I was like, wait, this is Vesepia. <laughs> you know, it's like you process because it is crazy to when I go back and start watching these seasons and you see people on the seasons. And then I remember when I met them and you start kind of putting all of the pieces together, like it was so long ago that they were on survivor and how many things have changed and how they've changed. And yet they haven't, they're still the same. And it's such a crazy whirlwind to kind of go through in your head because it really has been 20 years. And to see these people outside of the game and meet them and then kind of fangirl a little bit at the same time it's it's quite the experience so that was mm-hmm. really nice meeting her she seems like an incredible individual i didn't get to spend a whole lot of time with her but it was really nice to meet her and it's just it's just fun to now have that watching the season again and saying like yeah met Vesepia, and then i've met <laughs> other ones so it's yeah it's really it's quite neat to be able to do that yeah yeah all right but we're not here to talk about Vesepia and Keith and Kathy. Even though we unless, have been. <laughs> right. Unless you want to discuss Kathy peeing on John's hand in this episode. <gasps> that was amazing. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm going to quote myself from the recap I did of this episode the night that it first aired. I was talking about how bad things were at Maramu. And I said, in this case, it's better to be in row two and be pissed on than to mm. be in Maramu and be pissed off. Yes. Yeah. No, that's true. That's definitely true. And how about the the wound on the toe? Oh, oh let's I couldn't. Uh, please let's not talk about that. <laughs> I couldn't watch. I I was I know, blocking I was like, my screen. I was like, I can't. This is horrifying. Uh, that was yeah, rough. No, that was no, rough. No. All right. So anywho, yeah, there was a lot of crazy things that happened. Yes, both yes. in this episode. Leading up to it, lots of crazy things. Yeah, but we're not going to talk about toes. We're not going to talk about peeing. But we just um, did again. Again. We're, I mean, that's not the main bulk of the podcast. You know, no. we're, this is not the peeing podcast. No, we're going to talk um, about Hunter. Right. And, you know, what we do is pretty much what we do during the normal season. We watch the show. We take in all the available information. Now, let me say, I watched all three episodes you know, yes. to, to lead up to this. and um, And someone asked me. Uh, so an RHAP patron asked me, wait, are you watching every episode leading up to it? And I was like, yeah, for now. Mm, but, you know, mm-hmm. once we start getting to, you know, episode six, episode seven, episode yeah. eight, not sure I'm going to have time to watch, you know, more than half an ep- more than half a season. 
Yes. Um, it'll just depend on where we are at that point. But I like, let's keep it early, Rob, if yeah. you're listening. Well, no, he's going all the way. <laughs> you know the plan, right? I don't. I don't know oh, the plan. Okay. I just, okay. I get the text message from you, and that's when I learn what season it we're on and what we're watching. Well, it's episode one, two, three, four, and mm-hmm. we're going to keep going. And then the last episode is going to be back to season one, the finale. Really? Yes. Wow. It's a good thing I'm on quarantine, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> lots to watch, so, but lots to right. watch. But anyway, so like we said, we watch the show. Uh, now, the other available information usually includes interviews and secret scenes. But while the secret scenes weren't around yet for this season, uh, interviews were because this was still during the time that uh, players went on the early show after they were voted out, for example. Um, and. You know, of course, I also have the information that we talked about before, my old articles from Reality News Online. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, I look at those to make sure I don't miss anything that I caught back then. We, of course, take all that information. We compare it to the rules I originally wrote back after season one and have been modifying ever since. And poof, we have a podcast. Um, now, you can you can check out the most recent version of the rules at robhaswebsite.com slash blog slash survivor rules. Or you can get the shorter and much more colorful version of the rules in poster form. That's right. At tinyurl.com slash David Rules Poster 2. Yes. And they are, I have, you can see half of it over here. But yes, they're only $20. They fit in 11 by 17 frame. Frames up very nicely. Looks great on the wall. And the shipping department, I said last time, is up and running. So get in touch with me and I will get you your poster. And you can, if you cannot order them through eBay, you can contact me directly through Twitter. You can DM me if you are outside of the United States and we can make arrangements for you that way. Okay. Now, in addition to the poster, we also have another way to get the rules. So you can always have them with you. And that would be, ta-da, t-shirt form. Yay! Yes. Uh, So... Uh, just go ta-da. to ta-da, magic trick. Uh, so just go to Rob has a website.com or Rob has a podcast.com and click the merch link near the top, uh, sort the store so that new items are first. And these will be right there. Uh, we have both men and women's t-shirts available. And, uh, in the middle of all that, I switched hats to the, uh, to the, uh, classic Jeff Probst green survivor hat. You know, I would just like to remind our listeners that you were very opposed to doing video podcasts for quite some time. And you clearly have so much fun doing a video podcast now with all of your antics and your tricks and books and extras that you like to present to the audience. So if you are only listening and not watching, you're missing the David Bloomberg antics. (laughs) All right. Um, Well. Uh, antics aside, before we get to the rules, I want to mention one person who had an interesting role in the first few episodes of the season, and that was mm-hmm. Sarah. Um, I I really enjoyed reliving Sean's description of her as Cleopatra arriving on the raft in the first episode. And then there was his comment about her only positive attribute for the t- tribe being her two flotation devices and Vesepia talking about how she paid a lot for her body. Um, I, I have to admit, I still laughed out loud at all of that. But then we got to the second episode and she was trying to explain how they didn't need to waste time uh, weaving the fronds. And they could just lay them on top of each other in a, in a crisscross fashion to achieve the same thing. And she was pretty much ignored by Hunter and Patricia. But my understanding is she was right. 
And that's the same thing that at least Tyson has said several times. Weaving is a waste of time. Mm-hmm. All you have to do is pile them on, you know, in a crisscross and it's fine. I think when you are out there, they provide some instruction on certain matters and that includes weaving palm fronds. So I think it's one of those ideas that everyone has it's accepted planted in their head. Yes, it's like, this is what you're supposed to do. And it's actually very difficult to weave a palm frond. I must say I was one of the people that was able to figure it out pretty quickly. And, um, but it's not like as easy as you would expect mm-hmm. it to be. So I think it might've been easier to just lay them on top of each other. Well, Right. <laughs> Especially if it accomplishes the same thing. If the right. goal is to make sure there are no spots in between, then you do this and you do that and a couple more and there, there are no holes. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, uh, lesson learned. Yeah. Well, yeah. But so, uh, you know, all I'm saying is Sarah did have attributes to help the tribe. She was just ahead of her time. I did love her entrance though. I must say, yes. if you want to make an entrance on survivor, that's one to make, and it's also one to definitely anger your tribe mates for yes, sure. Yes. Yeah. Um. So. So anyway, uh, unless you have anything else you want to discuss about this episode, we can uh, move on to the rules. Well, I actually forgot just how close Sarah was with Rob. Like I, mm-hmm. I did not remember that. So that's one thing that I was shocked with watching it, and I'm also shocked with. That raft and life jackets. I would have been sleeping on that raft all night and using the life jackets as pillows. Come on. Like, this is what I'm talking about. Like the, the early survivor and the things that they had that we don't have anymore. Man, I was looking at that raft going, Oh, that looks comfortable. (laughs) And And then I saw them using all of their. Their life jackets as pillows, and again, I was a little bit jealous. But two well, but things they, that I yeah. was I noticed about this yeah. season. Then they cut open the raft and made it into a tarp. Basically. I know. Yes, again. So it's like one of those things where you use what you're provided, right? When you're mm-hmm. out there, and I know that people continue to do that when they're playing this game. But things like that, oh lord, that would have been that would have been a huge game changer, right there. Yeah. So, um. All right, but I'm done. We yeah. can move on. But it is interesting, yeah, with the uh, with with uh, Sarah and Rob. Uh, somehow, I feel like maybe Rob won't be showing this se- first season to his daughters. <laughs> no, <laughs> probably not. But you never know. Yeah. So, all right. Well, Hunter came into the game with all the tools he would need if he were ever stranded on a deserted island. But this island wasn't quite deserted as he had to get along with his fellow tribe mates. Where did he go wrong? Was he right to call the others knuckleheads after getting voted out? Or was he just not playing the right game? It's time to not just figure out, but completely reevaluate why Hunter lost. Interesting. All right. Uh, Of course, the first and most important rule is to scheme and plot. And that is rule number one. There were some people in the tribe who were scheming and plotting. Hunter wasn't really one of them. Uh, he had his partnership with Gina and had Patricia for a little while, but he was convinced that he would also have Rob and therefore Sarah, uh, even after they voted out Patricia. Obviously, that wasn't the case. Uh, indeed, when he was interviewed on the early show, uh, Bryant Gumbel was a bit of an ass, uh, as he was described by uh, my writer at the time, Ken Kellum III as saying in a cocky and argumentative tone, 
come on, you had to see it coming. Nope, he didn't. (laughs) No, he didn't. But I don't think that it was necessarily that he wasn't scheming and plotting. I think for Hunter, he really thought that it really was just going to come naturally because there seemed to be a lot of very similar personalities as far as you had. I mean, Rob, Sean and Hunter all described themselves as alphas. And Mm -hmm. I think that Hunter thought because they were all so similar in that regard, that that would bring them together and also had this idea that because challenges were important and survival was important, then we're going to keep the tribe strong. And so I think that his idea of scheming and plotting was almost like almost like a natural selection. Like, let's look at the group and let's look at who's here and what they're all bringing to the table. And that's really how he was scheming and plotting. But it's not necessarily in a game fashion it was more of a survival fashion yeah i don't think it was scheming and plotting at all i'm gonna say i mean he just he just didn't expect the tribe to vote out the provider you know when, when he when he voted against sarah in this episode he said he didn't think she was taking the game seriously enough but here's the thing it was hunter who wasn't taking the game seriously enough right he was he was super serious about the survival aspect of things but not about the game part But that's what I'm saying. It's that it's one of those situations where this was early on in Survivor. And we kind of touched upon this in our last podcast where survival used to be a more significant component of the game. And it really took, I think, this season to change what people's perception was and what people really focused on. And so for Hunter, he came into this game thinking, well, I'm going to be able to do well because I can provide and because I can I can do things for the tribe and I'm strong and I can help Mm -hmm. build. And and so I think his natural inclination was to do those things. And he thought because in his mind, the game is about survival, that he would be fine. And so he had this kind of backwards way of looking at what scheming and plotting was before it really was a thing. You know, I think scheming and plotting really was developed. Scheming and plotting started with Richard Hatch. Yes, but I do Uh, think that it was that it was just different because the survival component, I think, was very significant early on, as opposed to now people really are like, whatever. Yeah, but I'm I'm saying, yeah, he 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 just wasn't scheming and plotting. He thought it was all about the survival aspect. And like Sean said, when he was voting against Hunter, he might have been one of their strongest players. But this is about outwitting. The other mm-hmm. players caught on to that. Hunter mm-hmm. did not. And he should have. I mean, they, he just saw Patricia get voted out. Oh, yeah. Unless he was thinking, oh, that's because she's weak. Mm-hmm. You know, now, you know, I, I know this this uh, podcast is about Hunter, but let's compare him to one of the people who voted him out. And that would be some guy named Rob. Uh, he said <laughs> he's normally like Hunter, but he knew he had to step back, let others step up to be the big man and then go after their mistakes. That is strategic behavior. Also, in the first two episodes, we saw Rob doing something we would see him do later, making an alliance and flirting with a pretty young woman. We were talking about that already. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Rob said, it's important for me to have people on my team who are going to do what I tell them to do and not know that I'm telling them to do it. He also said, it doesn't matter if my team is stronger physically or even stronger mentally, just that they obey. And finally, he said, fear keeps people loyal. If they're afraid they have something to lose, then they'll do what you tell them to do. Again, all you know, we, we'd see all of this from him in future seasons. 
And it obviously has become a much more common way to look at the game. But that is not at all how Hunter was looking at things. Right. And I'm not disagreeing with your assessment of it. I just think that because of the because of the the perception of this game early on and how people didn't realize the necessity to scheme and plot like the Richard Hatch of the world or the Rob, you know, Boston Rob of the world. You know I mean? These people understood coming into that game, what they needed to do as far as scheming and plotting. Whereas I think a lot of players, their focus was in a different place, you know, setting up camp and building a shelter mm-hmm. and we need to survive. And that became more significant. And so perhaps Hunter's idea of playing the game was playing the survival component. And he thought he was doing that well. Yeah. But again, that's why I have the rules. I understand. I mean, you know, after the first season, not that I expected everyone to read them, but you know, that was the thing. This is how you win. What future survivors should know, should Mm -hmm. have learned. He -hmm. did not learn. Right. No, I, and I, I get it. Other people on his tribe did learn. Yes. So unfortunately he was playing with Boston Rob. (laughs) Yes. Um, now, the second rule says not to scheme and plot too much. I, I, I don't think Hunter had an issue here in reality. I do think he had a bit of an image problem because Sean mentioned he didn't want people just listening to Hunter as the leader and ignoring the fact that Hunter was here to play the game. If Hunter had been playing the game the same way, I would agree. But the thing is, as we just discussed extensively, Hunter wasn't playing the same type of game. I think Sean was overestimating Hunter's strategic acumen at that point. Or maybe he was being strategic. No, he wasn't. (laughs) I think that's pretty clear. No, I do think that this is, it's an interesting dynamic to, to have watched over the three episodes, this, Mm -hmm. this power struggle that was between Rob and Hunter and how each handled it. And I do think that, what we missed from Hunter was the underhanded moves that Rob was doing in order to solidify himself with the group while really to the detriment of the group. Yeah. I mean, it was, right. let's, well, let's take out, let's take out the strong, let's take out, you know, the, the potential people we might need to win so we can continue losing. But as far as the game is concerned, mm-hmm. Rob was running circles around everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Hunter was being busy, being passive aggressive, like, hey, can you get this water? Hey, we need what, you know, Um, (laughs) now. So I don't really have anything more to say about Hunter in this rule, but I I do want to mention Peter, because even though Peter left in the first episode, uh, he holds a special place in the rules as an example of what not to do. Um, You know, I say in this rule. Another point in discussing open scheming takes us to Peter from Survivor Marquesas. What's that you say? You don't even remember Peter? Yes, that's my point. <laughs> he was the first one booted from this from that season in large part because he tried to discuss the vote with everybody in the tribe. He wanted to force them to talk openly about who should get the boot. What was the result? They decided that he should get the boot. You don't think it was because he was talking about people's holes? Oh, that's later. I, I have that later. Don't worry. That's like around <laughs> rule five or something. I think. Okay. But yeah, it was a combination. But a, a big part of it was the same thing, you know, because um, uh, what's his name? Uh, the poker player in uh, Brains, Beauty, Brawn did the same thing. He's like, let's everybody explain what we're going mm-hmm. gonna, to gonna do. Um, and he was voted out the same. Yeah. So, all right. The third rule talks about being flexible. Um, 
What did you think of how Hunter did here? I hesitate to ask this because who knows where you're going to go. I know. Was he, was, was he a, a, the yeah, was he a real go along, get along guy that just did whatever the others Listen, wanted? I have a theory about Hunter, which I will share when okay. I give my final assessment of Hunter. Okay. But as far as his flexibility, I, I have to say he struggled, I think, as far <laughs> as. <laughs> Being flexible because, well, yeah, I'm trying to, I'm trying to be fair. He had a willingness to play with the Rob and and Sean and even Patricia, even though on the initially people were not too fond of her, and and he seemed to want to play with these people. He was dead set against Sarah. I mean, did not want to play with Sarah. Wanted Sarah to go home, and and I do think that that locking himself into that idea of well, I'm willing to work with Rob, but I don't really want to work with Sarah, and so mm-hmm. he just cut himself at the knees as far as Rob was concerned because Rob was very clear like she's another vote for me you know this is she's and and that was something that sean was aware of and everybody was aware that sarah and rob were a duo and so the fact that he didn't try to utilize that to his advantage as far as the votes are concerned i think shows that he wasn't very flexible yeah how's that yes very good (laughs) of course he was not he was not at all flexible uh, he talked about how, you know, this would not be the group you'd want to go camping with because everybody thought it was a vacation. Um, but here's the thing, you know, as exemplified in this rule, the problem is if everyone else is thinking one way, you need to join them, not mm-hmm. criticize them. Right. Uh, you can't just insist on doing things your way. Two weeks ago, we talked about how Rudy knew in the very first episode of the very first season that he had to do that. But mm-hmm. Hunter, several seasons later, couldn't get it. Right. So now, again, looking to Rob for comparison, he said, as they got ready for the second tribal council, that if Sarah was voted out, he would have to decide whether to rejoin with Hunter and become a worker bee again or stick with Sean. He looked ahead and was already evaluating his options, Mm -hmm. whereas a hunter never seemed to consider any options other than being who he was. Right. And he did say at one point, I think, to Gina that. They would be crazy to vote out either he or Gina. So it was he was very much sure of himself and his position in the tribe instead of really reading the room and determining that he needed to change the manner in which he was presenting himself and how he was integrating himself with the tribe. Now we're going to take a quick break for our sponsors and we'll be right back. We're back. So let's get back to the show. So the the fourth rule tells players not to let their emotions control them. I didn't see any issue here. Did you? No, he seemed, you know, fine in this regard. He was a right. great weatherman. I thought it was wonderful. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, so the fifth rule talks about the social game and reminds players they need to pretend to be nice. Hunter was having some issues here. Uh, he, he took an immediate leadership role from the get-go, trying to start the fire, talking about, as you said, the weatherman, prevailing wind and the sun, turning into MacGyver, according to Sean. Um, later... He lectured Rob about spending too much time chasing a chicken and doing other things instead of helping with the essentials. Like he was the boss of, you know, oh, this is what you should be doing first. You leave that chicken alone. And, uh, you know, this just kept going as he basically treated Sean like a bad employee. It, It just went on. The problem was not that he and the other two worker bees were working. It's that 
at least he and Patricia were also lecturing on how everybody needed to be working harder. And that led to Patricia being voted out in episode two, but he still didn't learn his lesson. Right. And I think it goes back to him thinking that, well, it would be silly of them to vote someone like me out. Yeah. Whereas Patricia, I guess he could look in his mind and say, well, there are other reasons to vote her out. She's she's not as strong as I am in challenges. And so therefore they wouldn't consider voting me out for doing the same exact things that she's doing. So I do think that he certainly struggled here. And the thing that was interesting is, is he didn't necessarily come across as being mean to anyone right. i mean he spoke well, to people sean. sean a little bit yes but it but it was interesting the way that he did it because there was a condescending nature to it sometimes but you know i go back to thinking that he just thought so highly of his skill set and wanted to impart his knowledge on the tribe and in doing so ended up really lecturing them and people didn't appreciate it. And he, he just didn't, he didn't know how to take himself out of that role and just kind of sit back and watch and listen. You can still take on that role and you can still try to help others understand how to do certain things, but you don't need to try to teach them how to do it in that fashion. And I think we saw a lot of uh, the tribe members commenting on parenting and they didn't come out here to be parented. And that was more towards Patricia, but he was part of that, you know? So, right. and I, so I do think it was just interesting the manner in which he presented it to his tribe mates and still had no clue at all that he was bothering them or offending them or getting them angry at all. Yeah. I mean, one thing I'll add to that is, He may have been trying to teach, but when you say to someone, you see them sitting there and you go, hey, uh, we need water. Why don't you go get the water? Mm -hmm. That's not teaching them. That's passive aggressively telling them you're being lazy. Go do something. Right. And I do think that there was uh, some issues between he and Sean where he was getting frustrated with Sean. Sean was getting frustrated with Hunter. But Sean was, I think, less willing to call Hunter out on it because Hunter was playing a different game than Sean. Sean was scheming, you know, with Rob. And so there was a lot of, there was a lot of issues, I think, swirling around those three. And as I said before, you know, the, the alpha that they've all designated themselves as, I think they were all struggling and wanting to be that alpha. And Hunter was the only one that was unwilling to kind of put it, I'm going to check myself and I'm not going to do that. Whereas Sean and Rob were able to. Yeah. He reminds me of a guy I used to work with uh, who, was not the boss, but thought he was the boss Mm. and would like keep an eye on people he didn't like. Mind you, if, if one of his friends went, you know, only had a half hour lunch, but went out to lunch with him for an hour, that was okay. Mm -hmm. But if he saw someone else getting ready to go five minutes early, he'd be like, Oh, uh, Hey, can you come over here and format this disc for me? Mm. Um, which I know dates that whole story very much. People are like, what are you talking about? Like what? Yeah. But yeah, he would literally do stuff like that to make sure you were there until, you know, that the five o'clock you had to go until five o'clock and you couldn't do anything else. It was the same sort of thing, that passive aggressive, um, you know, I'm not your boss, but I'm going to act like it because I think you're not doing enough work. Oh, for sure. And that's definitely going to wear on people. And I do think that it's, it's, a struggle when you are actually out there in the elements and you're seeing people who might not be doing as much work and someone like Sarah, who is very vocal and how mm-hmm. she wanted to save her energy for the challenges and not over exert herself around camp. 
that didn't sit well with Hunter. And so I think, again, it goes back to his perception of how the game was supposed to be played and what was significant and what mattered was tribe and in making the, the camp life successful. You know, we need right. food, we need shelter, we need water. And that wasn't the focal point of a lot of the people that were playing the game. And so I think he ended up just really being in the, the wrong place with the wrong people as far as how he was supposed to be playing this game. And he said it himself. He didn't want to go camping with his people, but he forgot that that's not what they were doing. They weren't right. camping. Exactly. You know? Exactly. Now, um, I do want to bring up another part of this rule. And remember, I said I was going to go back to Peter. Um, part of the rule that doesn't come up much these days, thankfully, is to keep your politics and personal beliefs to yourself. In addition to Peter's strategic screw up that we already mentioned, he was, as you as you talked about, also speechifying about how to be holy and control your bodily holes. And everyone else thought he had a hole because he was a fruit loop, um, which helped, you know, combine with his strategic mess up to make him a very easy first target. I thought it was fascinating to watch when people realized, no, he was actually talking about the holes in your body. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's what he's like, right. Holy, yes. <laughs> you know, but being holy. It's fascinating. Yes. It's fascinating. Yeah. Fascinating is one word for it. Yes. Um, weird. It would be the one that I would choose, but. All right. Uh, the sixth rule go, warns against being too much of a threat. And I think we can go back to the quote we discussed in the second rule with Sean thinking Hunter was playing the game and trying to control people. Uh, that was certainly a threat to those who voted him out, because if it had been up to Hunter, he'd have gotten rid of people based on how much they helped at camp. Mm -hmm. Yes. No, I agree with that. I do think that he became I think Hunter became a threat to people like Rob, <clears throat> excuse me, and people like Sean, because he was playing the game differently than they were and was unwilling to play the game that Rob and Sean were desirous mm -hmm. of playing. And Rob and Sean had Vesepia and Sarah playing the game with them. And so they really ended up coming together and, and agreeing with how they wanted to play this game. And so he became a threat to the manner in which they wanted to proceed in the game. Yeah. Now, Hunter said in his early show interview that he wasn't planning to be the tribe's alpha male, but realized he knew how to do a lot of the things that needed to be done and the others didn't. He claimed that he tried to subtly suggest ways to do things so as not to be pushy. But we saw some of those, quote unquote, suggestions, and they weren't even close to subtle, uh, nor was the way he clearly wanted to vote. I would. Yes, I think that is true. Yeah. It wasn't very subtle. <laughs> no, no. All right. The seventh rule covers idols and advantages. And we're still in the olden times before those had been invented. Uh, Crazy. So we can, yeah, we can skip past that. Appendix A is about the rest of the tribe keeping their end goals in mind when voting. Now, I mentioned last week that this used to be rule three, telling people to vote out the weak, then the strong, then the weak, then the strong. And also noted that originally it had just been weak, strong, weak. By the time this version came out, I added the second strong. Mm. Um, not that it came into play here because that's way at the end of the game. Yeah. I mean, clearly he was probably one of their physically strongest members. Right. And, and this is part of the rules where I have the greatest disagreement with past David. Um, Interesting. Because, Let's hear it. Yes. So I agreed more with you back then uh, or <laughs> more with Hunter, I guess. So back then, 
one of my rules still said providing food wins allies and players shouldn't be lazy. Mm -hmm. Well, here we had the group who was shown as wanting to sit around voting out the guy who was working hard. Yes. Which earned my scorn at the time. In my original Why Hunter Lost article, I said they should be trying to weed out the weakest members so they have a chance of someday actually winning a challenge. But that's not important to them. Rob says he doesn't care if they are strong, just so long as they listen to him. Sean thinks he's outwitted Hunter by voting him out this early. Does he really think he has a chance in this game now? And then I, <laughs> and then I added, I can't see Rob outsmarting the Rotu folks with his oh-so-clever use of fear as a weapon. The whole thing is preposterous. Yet there they were, letting their egos dictate how to vote rather than trying to salvage what's left of their team. Mm. And then the further pile on, I said, the knuckleheads, as he correctly described them, on his team decided to vote without allowing their brains to have any role in the decision. They chose laziness over work and demonized the one person who tried to hold everything together. One more. Finally, I said in my episode recap, so far, Rob hasn't exactly proven himself in the brains department. But if you ask Rob, he's the brightest guy on the island. So, yeah, I was totally wrong. Well, I I'm just going to throw this out there. I think Mm -hmm. this is a lot of Monday morning quarterbacking. Right. Because back then, that was, by the way, uh, really (laughs) evening, I might add back then. You had assessed what occurred based Mm -hmm. upon the rules that existed at the time. And at the time, Hunter was playing within those rules that David Bloomberg created for the game of Survivor. Now, you have said time and time again that you have changed the rules as the seasons have progressed and as the game has evolved, which makes sense. And so people need to evolve their games as the game evolves. Unfortunately for Hunter... At the time that he went out there, and if he was reading your rules, Survivor or Survival was still a component of Survivor. And so he was playing within the confines of the rules that were created by David Bloomberg. Now, I appreciate you being nice to old David Bloomberg, or actually, I guess I'm old David Bloomberg. That would have been young David Bloomberg. Um, But here's the thing. Rule number one was always rule number one. Oh, for sure. Scheming and plotting. Yeah, there was a rule about providing food wins allies. It was like the last rule. Mm -hmm. Scheming and plotting was rule number one. Rob and Sean and Sepia and Sarah, to whatever extent they were involved, we just saw mostly Rob and Sean. They were scheming and plotting. Mm -hmm. And I, I will criticize my past self. I was not on top of things for whatever it was. I don't know if I just didn't like didn't like Rob, I, you know, or whatever the reason was. Yeah, I, I, you know, I was wrong. I mean, I wasn't wrong about the chances of Rob and Sean. David Bloomberg was not right. Well, that was, that was 19 (laughs) years ago. I've been right every time since then. Um, You know, obviously Rob and Sean didn't win, but one of their allies, part of that voting group, did end up winning the season. Um, You know, I just did not yet recognize the game, the way the game of Survivor was changing at that moment. Yes. I would say Rob and Sean were a little bit ahead of me in that mm-hmm. department. Um, even in a season where they were given literally no rations and had to work to get their own food, Hunter, the provider was voted out. Yes. And it, it's not because he was physically weak, but it was in large part because he was weakening the overall tribe dynamic by causing divisions. Right. And that's what I'm saying. As far as the way that he was playing the game, it's not that it didn't make sense because at the time they weren't given food. 
no rice, no nothing. And they had some empty pots and a machete and had to go out and find their own food. They were trying to make snares to hunt pigs, for God's sake. So, you know, they definitely were in a different mindset, I think, as far as what they were going to be eating. And survival was a more important component to people that were playing the game at the time because they had no food. Mm -hmm. So I, I do think that for what Hunter was doing, although now with the rules, no, that's not how you play Survivor. But again, it has changed so much over time. I thought it was nonsensical that they didn't take the rice when they won the challenge either, oh, when they yeah. had the choice between the rice and like pillows. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, they didn't take rice. But but so I do think that, I'm, you know, there was a lot of fault in Hunter and, and how he was presenting himself to the tribe. But I do think that that survival component in his mind and the way in which survivor was at the time, it made sense to be the provider. And we saw Kathy struggle yeah. on the other tribe as well. well with yeah. to do the same thing. But again, I mean, I, let's go back to our previous podcast. Let's just ignore the beef jerky part of it for the moment. What did we say about Kel? He focused too much on trying to be mm-hmm. a provider and not enough on the game. Sure. Same thing here. That was two seasons earlier. They right. should learn the lesson by then. Right. And so I'm and, not saying that yeah. it was correct for Hunter to do that. Right. But I, I think, unfortunately, people still do it. We still have people oh, yeah. who go out and play the game and think that if I catch fish and I provide for the tribe, that that will be an asset or I will become an asset and they'll mm-hmm. want to keep me. But it doesn't work that way. And so I, right. I think that, you know, the same thought process that Kel had is the same thought process that Hunter has. And unfortunately, game mode kicked into a lot of people early on. And once they saw how Richard Hatch played and said, you know what? Forget that. I'm all about playing this game. We'll figure out how to survive. Like that became yeah. second, but it didn't become second for a lot of people. Right. And there are still some people, like you said, and those people, Sorry, are wrong. Uh, so <laughs> there you go. David said it. You're wrong. That's right. That's right. Okay. So with all that, it's about time to wrap things up. What are your final thoughts? Waiting now because you said you were. <laughs> I know. Well, I kind of had this weird epiphany, and I don't know if you're going to understand this or if people oh. are just going to be like, "What on earth is she talking about?" But I, I see Hunter as one of those ads that. If you ever seen those ads like in a newspaper or in like a magazine where you have two ads and they're next to each other. And even though both ads might be great, the placement of the ads make, makes one of them look out of place and makes one okay. of them look like it's sending the wrong message. And I feel like that was Hunter. You had Hunter on one side and Rob Cesarino. I'm sorry, I said Rob Cesarino again because he's oh, our, no. I know he's in charge of us. So I, yes. you know, he's in my brain. You had Boston <laughs> Rob on the other side. So you've got Hunter and Boston Rob and Boston Rob's positioning of whatever it is in the ad just makes his ad better than the one that Hunter is next to. And I don't know if that makes sense to people, but that was kind of how I looked at it, that Hunter was in a place where he thought he was going to reign supreme. I'm, mm-hmm. I will be the provider. Look at me. I'm strong. I'm athletic. I know how to, how to survive and I can build a shelter and I can do all of these wonderful things for these people. I'm really good at camping. You know, like that was how he kind of walked into this game. And then you had the Rob father on the other side who wasn't interested in any of that was playing a completely different game and Th- that one phrase about 
you know, fear keeps people loyal. Mm -hmm. I think we all heard that initially. We all kind of gasped a little bit because I think that was the first time anyone really vocalized on Survivor something so extreme. And to hear someone say fear keeps people loyal, that had an impact. And I think it's had an impact on how a lot of people play the game. And so for Hunter, he came into this thinking, I'm going to do very, very well because look, look at how wonderful I am. But he found himself next to Boston Rob and Boston Rob just took control, even though it was a lot of things didn't seem to make sense. We're going to vote out strong people. We don't care about food when we have no food. You know, there was a lot of tactics that we just didn't really understand because it was so new to the game. And so I think that Hunter ended up coming into this thinking he was going to do great and unfortunately found himself against a whole new version of Survivor that even though we saw Richard Hatch, that really hadn't developed as much as I think Boston Rob created the development of it in this season. So he just he found himself in just an impossible position because he had so many thoughts of himself that just did not mesh with this group of people. Yeah. Yeah, as we've said, the vote against Hunter was part of a big change in the way players viewed the game. Hunter was still looking at it as a survival situation, which it never was. Even I was still looking at it as requiring people to keep around a physically strong person like Hunter until the merge. But I was correct, incorrect as well. Uh, (laughs) Though not as wrong as Hunter was. See, it's difficult for me to say I was incorrect. Um, (laughs) I see that. Hunter said in his final words, that he didn't understand the logic behind it. I was camping with a bunch of knuckleheads. But that's just it, Hunter. It wasn't camping. It was Survivor. He continued that they were going to die of starvation and dehydration. That was never going to happen. And that's the part of the game he overestimated. When Hunter was on the early show, he said the main conflict between himself and Rob was a difference in game strategy. Hunter wanted to build a strong team and keep everyone together, while Rob wanted to garner and control as many votes as he could. As we look back from recently having watched Rob's fifth time playing and sixth time being involved in a season, it's pretty clear who was right. Hunter didn't end up with a giant statue of his head on an island. Hunter not only took a leadership role right off the bat, but then tried to use that role to tell others what to do rather than being flexible enough to see what was needed to bond with people, not boss them around. While he was worried about who was getting water, the majority of his tribe was actually playing a strategic game that Hunter was not. Hunter came in prepared for survival, but not for survivor. And that is why Hunter lost. Do you think Hunter is sitting somewhere just looking at all of the seasons that Boston Rob has been on? (laughs) Just quietly kicking himself. (laughs) I mean, he got to do those, you know, those commercials for like uh, flashlights and sunglasses and stuff. Oh, my word. Oh, yeah. Uh, Yeah. Basically the same thing. For sure. Sure, They paid him a million dollars for for that. (laughs) And uh, yeah, six seasons later, Boston Rob. Yeah. Not the Rob father. It was, it's just so incredible to watch him so early on and, and knowing now what we know of Boston Rob and just the evolution. It's just incredible. It's incredible Mm -hmm. to watch. Yeah. All right. Well, before we look ahead to the next episode, we'll be discussing, let me remind everyone that the rules we just discussed are now available in both uh, poster 
behind me and t-shirt form. Mm-hmm. Oh, still same hat. Um, <laughs> I thought about switching it again. Uh, for the shirt, go to robhaswebsite.com or robhaspodcast.com and click on the merch link, then sort to see newer items first. For the poster, go to tinyurl.com slash davidrulesposter2. That's right. Um, now, next episode, as Rob announced on the Wiggle Room, we will be looking at episode four of San Juan del Sur. Uh, I won't spoil the result, um, but uh, yeah, that, that's a hint. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So now this will be uh, an interesting one because I believe I didn't check this yet. I believe San Juan del San Juan del Sur, San Juan del yeah, San Juan del Sur uh, was during my off time, my hiatus of covering Survivor for anyone. Ooh, there was some off time. I know. Um, so I don't have any of my own articles to look back to. Oh, this is fascinating. Uh, so you can't cheat. It's not cheating. It's <laughs> you it's using the old material or arguing with myself. So I mm. will just have, you know, my memory and what there is now, really. Fascinating. Um, now I know that, you know, Rob was doing podcasts then, and I believe I, I could be wrong, but I believe my first podcast appearance on RHAP was during San Juan del Sur. Oh, I don't think it was this early in the season. I think it was later in the series. Mm. Uh, so, um, so yeah, I'm just going to, you know, have to do research like everyone else. And I can't rely on myself. It. Uh, it's terrible. <laughs> I know you can't go back and check yourself. You won't have any highlighted notes anywhere. No, posted. I won't have highlighted notes. I won't have, I won't be able to either agree with myself or argue with myself. Unreal. Yeah. Crazy. So. Anyway, as we wrap up, I want to encourage people to check out the RHAP patron program at robhaswebsite.com slash patron. Uh, once you join, you'll see that Rob does at least nine patron-only call-in shows a month, plus weekly trivia, plus a weekly Q&A show with Nicole. Um, plus, there are some shows that have been live streaming to patrons. Uh, plus, there are the Facebook groups to keep you occupied in this you know time with a great community of people. Uh, including both of us, where you can talk about Survivor, Big Brother, you know, life in general. Uh, so again, remember to go to robhaswebsite.com slash patron. And once you get to the Facebook groups, make sure to say hello. Hi. Yes, it is a great group of people. And when you say the plus and the plus and the plus, it really is just like that. There are so mm-hmm. many things that Rob provides to the patrons. So you should definitely join that group and enjoy all of the wonderful extras that come with being a patron because Rob really does go out of his way for his patrons. So you definitely should join. And you should also follow me at Jessica Lewis 89. And you can follow David Bloomberg at David Bloomberg. This is on Twitter. You should follow both of us and get both sides of the story. You can see me responding to <laughs> i know it's we have to i did it that time <laughs> hey all right <laughs> um, you could see us responding back and forth to each other so you should definitely follow us both again it's at jessica lewis 89 and at david bloomberg that's right yes uh so now we need a hashtag um the uh only thing mm. that came to mind well did you have one no i'm trying oh, to think hmm. i was thinking survivor not survival that works. Although I really like the prevailing winds. <laughs> prevailing winds. 
That just made me giggle a lot. And MacGyver. I thought MacGyver was funny. Prevailing winds to me. I mean, I literally had a work conversation today about prevailing winds. So, yes, I I have meteorologists who work for me. So MacGyver chasing chickens. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you said chasing. Okay. Uh, (laughs) I said I'm joking. Um, (laughs) Listen, whatever you want to come with a hashtag. Yeah. Let's do survivor, not survival. Okay. And of course, there's the hashtag for this podcast overall, YX Lost. Right. Uh, make sure you're subscribed to all the RHAP Survivor podcasts at robhasapodcast.com slash survivor or just on your favorite podcatcher. Uh, we are also on the reality TV rehap ups feed. In both places, you'll find great content. You know, right now, there are three podcasts always doing, or at least usually doing, as far as I know, the um, this survivor back in time. There's the Wiggle Room, uh, Us, and the B&B. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but normally you'll get other things too. And like Rob just did an interview with Tony, uh, which I started, but there is just, there's so much there. Mm-hmm. Normally I listen to podcasts while I'm doing other things. Right. I need to focus on this one to, to just listen to everything Tony was doing. So I haven't had a chance to, to finish that out. Um, there was, um, and, and you didn't know I was going to bring this up, but there was another podcast also with Sunday. Mm-hmm. Uh, who has recently been diagnosed with cancer and you, Jessica, as well as almost all of your castmates were on that as well. Do you want to uh, mention yeah. that? Um, yeah, maybe just a little bit. Uh, I feel for Sunday a lot. Obviously, mm-hmm. she's very significant to all of us. In a, and when I say all of us, all of the cast of Millennials versus Gen X. And she's been very significant just to the survivor community and also just people who are part of her world. And she has really grabbed a great hold of so many people because of the great work that she does. Uh, she's written a book. She goes around and does various um, talks about the struggles of her previous cancer survival and um, and things that she went through then and where she is now. She is very deep faith and believes that God will bring her through this. And we are all hoping the same. So for Sunday, it was wonderful to have a chance to speak with her and to see everyone again, but just to see all of the love and admiration that she is getting. So please support her in any way you possibly can, because she definitely will need you during this time. She'll need all of us. Yeah. So again, if you're, you know, um, if you're, you know, make sure you find that podcast or that video. Now, I did not watch it on video because I had no idea you were going to be on it, Jessica. She uh, didn't so, either. She knew yeah, that. I know. I know. It and was now so did, you great. Know, anyone who hasn't seen it now, we've we've ruined the surprise. But it's, a, <laughs> it's, still, it's still a very moving moment and uh, a moving podcast. So I think I think Sunday uh either tweeted or said in a statement so far she's watched it like four times already so yeah yeah it was fun because initially it was just i mean i say fun it was she was chatting with hannah and rob and then it was they had it all it was all worked out to surprise Mm -hmm. her to kind of just bring us all in and then all of a sudden you could see her reaction because we were watching it as it was happening but she didn't see us rob did a wonderful job surprising her with it by bringing so many of us in and um even had a recorded message from david wright which was incredibly sweet so it was it was really great to see everyone coming to support her the way that they did. And the fact that Rob put that together was really incredible. Yeah. So, all right. Well, um, on, on, uh, on that note, I guess, um, uh, you know, uh, 
wanted to uh, thank you for another great week. Yep. And we will thank Will from America for the wonderful song that he has created for the audio version of this podcast, not the video version. And then also thank you to Scott St. Pierre for all of the editing that he does on both the audio and video version of this podcast. It's so nice to have both platforms. People can kind of pick and choose what they would like to do. And thank you all for sitting and listening to us and watching us. It's, it really means so much to us. So thank you. And thank you, David, for letting me you know, push your buttons a little bit as far as old David versus new David and Monday morning quarterbacking. Yes. yes. <laughs> All right. Well, with that, uh, we will see everyone next week. Bye. Bye. You lost survivor and you're feeling down. David and Jessica will turn it around. They'll break down the rules and we'll show you how. You played yourself and got voted out. This is why Blank lost And this is why Blank lost